0: Bonjour les amateurs de montres. Hello, watch fans, and welcome back to another article on The Real-Time Show. This is David, the resident provocateur, ready to push your buttons with some watch talk. Although today, I'm not really sure I'm pushing any buttons. You know, it seems to me that when you break things down, what I'm going to put forward to you might make actually quite a bit of sense. We're talking the watch industry. We're talking growth. We're talking maybe not so much growth. Looking forward to 2024. As always, we really look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments. You are welcome to get in touch with us in any number of ways. I will share those at the end of the episode, but for now, let's get right into it. What goes up must come down. It works for gravity. It works for the scale after the recent holiday period. At least I hope so. And it works for the watch market. For those who only came into watches during the pandemic, it can be hard to believe that the watch industry would behave in any other way than a rocket ship upwards. But actually, the intensity of the market's recent surge has been nothing short of remarkable. Did you know that there was quite a severe slump in the market in the mid-2010s, to the point where Cartier, certainly not the only ones to do this, bought back enormous stocks of watches to prevent them from flooding gray markets, tainting the brand's luxury bona fides in the process. And this was apparently, according to sources I found, happening all the way up to 2018. In episodes 128, 130, and 131 of the real-time show, Alan, Rob, and I had a good time discussing predictions for 2024, delivered to us by Clarice, our resident GPT chatbot. That was a fun exercise in examining AI's knowledge of the watch market, but we didn't spend too much time discussing our own personal views of what will happen to the watch industry in 2024. With that in mind, here's my prediction. My hypothesis is that the watch industry will see a contraction towards the back half of 2024 and into 2025, which could end up being painful for certain brands. Okay, so what goes up must come down is a justification for this, but I have to be a little more rigorous than that. So in this article, I'll lay out my case for why the party could be winding down for luxury watchmakers, particularly those in Switzerland. Before I start looking ahead though, let's look back to recent history. According to the Federation of the Swiss watch industry, quote, Swiss watch exports reached their highest ever monthly level in November 2023 at almost 2.5 billion Swiss francs, end quote. Keep in mind that these are sell-in numbers, wholesalers and dealers, not sell-through figures to customers. So while the actual market size could be anywhere from two to four times higher based on markup, export numbers don't account for watches that could end up sitting in cases. That's important, but let's hold that thought and just assume that export totals do in fact provide an accurate picture of the watch industry's health. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the U.S. was the leading destination for exports, accounting for about 16% of the total, followed by China and Hong Kong, which roughly added up to about the same share. Here's something else to keep in mind. The value of Swiss watch exports priced above 3,000 Swiss francs grew 5% from November 2022, whereas almost all other categories experienced a contraction. Funnily enough, those under 200 Swiss francs did not, which to me could be the effect of moon swatch exports at wholesale cost, not MSRP. But anyways, let's get back to the analysis. In summary, and this also shows up in the breakdown of exports by materials, the high end really is driving and has been driving the Swiss swatch industry for the past several years. Nothing surprising there really. On one hand, you've had unprecedented interest in independent brands, while also interest in Rolex, Patek Philippe, and Automars Piguet has gone through the roof. And on the other hand, the moonswatch notwithstanding, anyone looking for a sub-1,000 Swiss franc or euro or dollar watch is likely going to the Apple store for such a purchase. The recent success of the industry aside, you could start to feel some of the wind leave its sails at the end of 2023. If only as part of a return to a more normal market context, however you define that. So my feeling is that this will continue. And much like the mini crash of the 2010s, the flip side of what caused the watch industry's recent meteoric rise will also be the breaking force that will lead to its slowdown. Let me explain that a little bit further. In the early 2010s, in an effort to crack down on corruption, the Chinese government announced the ban and started cracking down on luxury gifts. This was, in fact, one of the driving forces behind the watch industry's rise at that time, and so this ban had a profound effect on the global watch trade. In the same way, the post-COVID period could cause the tides to recede on brands in a way that would have been unthinkable just 18 months or so ago. This is a good jumping-off point for the framework I'd like to use to make my case, which, spoiler alert, basically comes down to supply and demand. So, as I look at it, The value of the export market is simply the sum of the number of watches leaving Switzerland multiplied by their individual prices. That implies that to grow the market, you need to do some combination of the following. Either 1. Raise the price of watches, and or 2. Sell more watches to those who already own them, and or 3. Grow the market pie by introducing new people to watches, and then of course, repeat and sell them more watches. Let's tackle the first point, because this has been the focus of a lot of discussion watch outlets recently, with brands such as Omega and JLC, among others, raising prices on their bread and butter models, and IWC dropping their new Ingenieur with a five-figure price tag. When you do this as a brand, you're essentially testing the hypothesis of, can I sell this watch the same way as it's always been, with no real changes to speak of, to sufficient people who don't already own it? at this new price. Increasingly, I see this as a very, very shaky proposition. A strong Swiss franc is definitely a factor at play in all of this, but I'd like to focus more on points two and three from earlier. That is to say, selling more watches to those who own them and introducing more people to the hobby. During COVID, people were forced to stay indoors and had very few outlets for the money they were still earning. Although I should note here, that this is a privileged group of people. Others, of course, had much more difficult problems to deal with. In addition, governments deployed gargantuan stimulus funds, and for those crazy enough to put luxury watches on credit, interest rates made it appear that this wasn't such a foolish idea. This made for a perfect storm, giving ample time and resources to enthusiasts and newbies alike to learn about watches, read about every single new watch coming out, and of course, purchase them if they wanted. Now, in 2024, though I have no doubt that the watch-loving population is higher than it was in 2019, I get the feeling that people have already left the hobby, and people will leave the hobby for other things to enjoy or, let's be honest, flip. In terms of future growth, can we still expect the same explosive increase in demand now that the world is open back up and there are other options on which to spend time and money? If anything, the responses I've read to my account of pairing my collection back make me think that COVID-era buyers now want to sell off part or indeed large chunks of their collection to focus on the watches or other experiences that give them the most satisfaction. Add to that the fact that the usually-moneyed tech sector in the U.S., remember, this is the largest single destination for Swiss watch exports, has been a bloodbath recently, and the conditions aren't exactly promising on the demand side. Let's get this supply because that's going to play a role as well. With regards to what's on offer in the market, all eyes continue to be on Rolex, and in their own considered way, they have been building capacity over the last few years, and those efforts now seem to be translating to model availability. Again, this is only anecdotal, but I'm hearing a lot more accounts of people getting the call quite quickly from their ADs, and I personally am getting a lot of emails from the gray market sellers I follow advertising price reductions on Rolex and other brands. Rolex is really key here because what happens when someone who may have looked at an engineer when a Milgauss wasn't available now can get that Milgauss at MSRP? Indeed, think of all the new watches the big brands have introduced since 2020. Think of all the new watches that big brands are introducing now. So many watches. There's barely a day that goes by that I don't see an announcement for a new watch. Granted, there's a lot of cool looking stuff out there, but you have to wonder how much penetration in the market these are actually going to get. And now, think of all the micro brands that have popped up recently. Yes, the market has always been competitive, but I do feel we're at a point now where some rebalancing has to take place, and that rebalancing, just as it did in early 2020, will have winners and losers. Who those are and what they can do to soften the blow and or take advantage of what I think we'll see in the near future, I'll cover in the next article. Stay tuned. And that is it for another episode. What would you think? Was I on the mark or was I 100 miles off? Do you think we are still on the upward side of the boom and bust cycle or have we truly crested that hill and we are now on the way down? We'd love to hear from you as always and we have several different ways for you to do that. I can be reached on Instagram at d-a-v-a-u-c-h-e-r. Rob can be reached at R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S and Alan can be reached at A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. We even have a dedicated Instagram handle for the show itself. You can find that at therealtime.show. And if you're a purist and you want to use the good old World Wide Web to get in touch with us, you can do so through the contact form on our website. The address for that is is forward slash contact. Before I leave, I want to thank you as always for spending some time with me for sending me your feedback. And we very much look forward to having you join us on future episodes of The Real Time Show. Thanks so much and take care.